0: Thanks for coming. Hey, it's
1: great to be here, Kim
0: Yeah, yeah. So, ha- so happy to have you. Glad you're yeah. in town and here from uh, Penticton, Mr. Yep. Mayor. Yeah. Does it ever get old, getting called Mr. Mayor? I get called lots of things. <laughs> 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 so you're in town for UBCM. It's a chance yep. to talk to all the ministers, kind of like speed dating in a way, right? Speed
1: dating with the ministers, uh, you know, just keeping the conversation going, keeping the pressure on the uh, programs and, the, you know, the... Uh, issues that we're working on Um, and, you know, it's a a sort of peer review as well on other communities, regional districts, seeing what they're doing about, you know, different things, housing, you know, crime, safety, et cetera, uh, homeless and and just learning from them and hopefully, you know, being a fruitful part of the discussion and roundtables, you know, as to what to do
0: next and how to move forward. Anything... Do you remember anything interesting anyone else is doing? Is there any innovation around some of these, uh, you know, problems that we all hear about so often?
1: Um, well, social problems. Yeah. yeah social problems are the, um, you know, they're the, they're the big item right now. Um, you know, on an ongoing basis, we have, you know, things like wildfires and so on that, are you know, we're experiencing this summer, but, uh. But they come and go, the wildfires come and go, you know, crime is with us all the time, homeless are with us all the time. So really our focus has to be on, you know, the prevailing issues, you know, and, and some communities uh, are having some level of success. And and actually, I think Penticton, uh, we've brought in some measures that, you know, we're starting to see some measure of success with what we're doing. So, I, you know, I feel pretty... Confident that we're on the right track uh, in Penticton, so you know I'm I'm starting to talk about you know our successes to other other municipalities and uh, you know and letting them know what we're doing. Cool. What have you
0: brought with you today? I see a couple dark bottles over oh,
1: there. Oh yeah, yeah. We, well, <laughs> you you know if you come from the Okanagan, it's easy to bring wine, right? So you you bring some. Uh, I I brought uh, I brought two bottles of wine, um, and. You know, I, I'm. I know quite a lot of people in the wine industry. I deal a lot in the wine industry in my other job. Apart from being mayor, I'm a real estate agent and still have my license. to it part time, and but I, I've been thirty years a realtor in Penticton and uh, and I do a lot of vineyard sales and and sell wineries and so on, and so. Um, Got to know a lot of the people in that business. And so these two wines represent the two different types of groups, the demographics that are in that business. So we've got a Chardonnay there from Daydreamer and Daydreamer is uh, owned by Michael and uh, Rachel Ansoms and sorry, Marcus, Marcus Ansoms. And Marcus is uh, an Australian, a master winemaker, you know, sort of grew up in the wine industry, you know and brought his knowledge to the Okanagan. Um, And, you know, it's sort of well-versed in in the wine business. And uh, the other wine is uh, a a Bordeaux blend from Pentage. And uh, Pentage is owned by um, Paul and Julie Gardner. And uh, they... Vancouver couple. And... Uh, he used to be a ship's engineer on those tugboats that are right out there. Really? And, um, and he changed his, you know, went for a life change and, uh, you know, taught himself basically the wine industry, you know, the wine making process and, uh, over decades and ended up buying a piece of land in Benticton and built a vineyard and then built a winery and, uh and makes remarkably good wine and so there's the two different types of people that are in the wine business in in the okanagan that's the two different general types exactly you know, the two masters Gen- that move there yeah and, you're, and they just come figure yeah. it out yeah and then we you know you get foreign investors that come in and buy up massive thing you know put massive amounts of cash into the industry there but uh, but you know, the the basics of the industry are made up of those two sort of demographic groups. Should we try it? I think we should. It'd be <laughs> a waste not to. <laughs> Cassie, do you mind? Do you have an opener? Yeah. All right. We'll get that figured out. So yeah.
0: Well thank you. That's thank great. Do you want to start light or, or red? Uh we should do the white first. I yeah. think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good trick. I'll uh, I'll have to remember that one. Um, yeah, I'll do that in council chambers. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it happens. Yeah, it's yeah. people trip. It yeah. happens. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah,
0: the Naramata Bench is uh, is wine country. Allow so, me. Oh, yeah. he's packing. Don't trouble yourself, Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. The mayor has an opener in his pocket. Yeah, yeah. At all times.
1: <laughs> 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 mayor and you got to have wine corkscrew on there. Yeah, uh, on the totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will be nice. So yeah, it's been an interesting year for the wine industry. You know, it uh been a, it was a hard winter. Um, The, uh, and, you know, there was a a lot of, uh, a lot of vine kill in the, in the vineyards. Um, hmm? From the cold, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a long cold period. And so they, they've had a bit of a tough winter. And then it's been a, the tourist year has been okay, but uh, been disrupted. And uh, there we go. By what, fire? Uh fires, you know, travel restrictions, uh, you know, uh, temporary small ones, but uh, but you know and then rock slide on the highway, road closure. So you know, it's and I
0: was there for that. Was there more than one?
1: Uh the rock slide? Yeah. Yeah, no, there was just uh, there's been a couple about of two weeks ago I, yeah, yeah, I was stopped yeah, by one. Yeah. yeah that's that was right. crazy. Yeah. Was, uh And they've they've done a bunch of work in that site um at that yeah. spot for uh, oh, a couple of years ago now, three or four years ago, they did Thank a bunch you. of, a bunch of work, but then another chunk of the mountain decided to come down. Cheers. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was wild. It was, uh, my wife, Lisa was driving
0: and I was like heads down working on my laptop. And, and she said, God, this highway sure are quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no other cars. Right. Yeah. And, uh, And we were in a rental, so the the nav system wasn't connected. It wasn't Google Maps. It it wasn't live. It was uh, showing that this is the way to get to Penticton. Yeah, and And, it wasn't. (laughs) And it wasn't. Not that day, because we were stopped, and it was a huge slide, and and a big earth mover was already there starting to move it. Yeah. But the worst part was the the flag person that stopped us, Mm they said, "Look up that hill there," and we saw. Uh, they said, "See that dark crack? Yeah, I no. you know. Wandering all no. up the hill. That's a uh, that's a crevasse. That's the
1: fissure. That yeah, uh, yeah. There's a that's a that big hunger rock is yet to come down, and but it's going to come down. It's um,
0: yeah. Then why not away. bring it down? Why not like drop a, a uh, piece of dynamite in there?
1: Because the other side of the highway, there's a few houses. Yeah, but down I thought about the lake.
0: Yeah, of course. And yeah. but wouldn't it? be safer to control it like isn't that what they do with avalanches like,
1: yeah they, well they're chipping away at it they're not, they? you know they're not trying to keep it up there they I, I i don't think anyway you know but uh they they haven't shared with us how they're going to deal with it but
0: uh this wine is amazing yeah no it's great eh? yeah thank you yeah yeah
1: yeah marcus does a great job yeah it's delicious
0: yeah um so you don't sound like you're from here uh england yeah of course
1: yeah and uh, how's that uh, that was great, you know. <laughs> like uh, it was great for thirty-two years, but then I was tired of it, and so I had to get out and, um, you know, and sort of see the world a little bit, and moved around all a lot as a kid. Uh, we uh, and as an adult, um, and so I've lived in a lot of different places in in Britain, and um, yeah, uh, my parents uh, they were uh, psychiatric nurses. Uh, that went into social work. Oh, really? Yeah, so they went into childcare. So um, when, you know, when I was a kid, we uh, we lived in we lived in the psychiatric hospital that they worked in because that was the deal then. Because did, they didn't pay very oh. much, but, you know, they gave you accommodation. Yeah,
0: what a perspective that gives you now, though. <laughs> yeah. Right on, on yeah, you yeah. know, the <laughs> mental illness and the drug For addiction sure. that we see yeah. on the
1: street. Yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of different people. And so, you know, it. You know, I, yeah, I, when I first arrived in Canada, I, I, you know, uh, my lonely planet guide said, you know, don't go down Gastown or East Hastings, it's the most dangerous place in Canada. And and so that's the first place I went, (laughs) you know, and I spent the night there and wandered around and I just, you know, just to see how bad it could be. And um, because it's my first time in Canada and this was in 88. 1988, and, um, and you know, I, I thought, well, yeah, there's some, there's some, yeah, you know, people laying on the street and there's some drug addicts around and that, but, you know, I, um, in my working life in Britain, I used to run pubs in London, so, you know, there's no, there was no roaming gangs of skinheads waiting to, you know, crush you, so, oh, yeah. you know, it just, it, it felt okay to me, it, you know, I, there's places in Britain that are way worse, you know, that from a safety point of view um but that was then this is now it's it's different now it hasn't got any better it's got worse here um but uh yeah I, I i i didn't i didn't feel uncomfortable but again you know back when i was a kid yeah we you know we grew up in like hospitals where you know there'd be all sorts it's all scary sorts, as a kid no, you know, uh, no, not really. I, my, So my, um, the one hospital I was at when I was like five years old, um, and my dad told me years later that, uh, uh, there was a babysitter. He had a babysitter. I had a babysitter, right. You know, for when they were working and, and my babysitter was one of the inmates in the hospital who was a bit psychopathic, but. <laughs> uh, people would say to my dad you know aren't you worried and he said yeah. oh no no He said, male or female a male he said nothing wow. nothing will ever happen to julius why because this guy who would just not let anything happen to me that oh, was his I entire focus oh no it was my safety so yeah but it was and to me he was just a nice guy right yeah <laughs> but but I was five years old. So. Yeah, but your your dad knew knew this person so well. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, in, uh, the the in a, in a psychiatric hospital, the the line between the caregiver and the inmate sometimes is uh, a little thin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my parents were a little different, were they? <laughs> oh yeah. Is
0: that why you moved around so much?
1: Yeah, uh, they we they worked in different hospitals and uh so i think it was three hospitals we lived in when i was a kid and then they moved into childcare and then we uh lived in the children's homes that they ran and uh so that was yeah that was my life until i was 17 so how different
0: were they were they like hippy dippies or a little crazy uh
1: they not hippy dippy but uh a little bohemian i would say yeah that's a fair word yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean it's yeah yeah it's it's a big long story a family story it's you know it's yeah were they gypsies uh no 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 they were uh, well kind of my mom was kind of like a gypsy but uh you know uh, my you know and i i you know my mum was um she my birth mother took off when i was six and i didn't see her again well
0: until you're adult. Yep, forty. Wow, what was that like? Tough. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Hmm. Anyway, um, you know that uh, that kind of leaves a mark, and um, you know, but my dad, he uh, he remarried, and you know, and was, and the second wife was a nurse as well, and so you know they carried on in that work, and uh, you know he had a. Uh, um, we just had a different life, yeah, and you know grew up in bedlam you know with in the children's homes, so when I started work um did a few things, a few different things, and then got into the pub business, and running pubs was kind of a natural fit for me because it was bedlam, you know in british pubs and, yeah and that, but I was in charge of the bedlam, so you know it was, <laughs> That's it was felt good. Yeah and um you know it felt perfectly natural for me. Yeah. Uh, that's what I did and uh but you know uh after 32 years there I um decided it was time to yeah uh, broaden my horizons. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I adopted both my kids. Did you?
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah
0: and I uh and I look forward to you know them meeting one of their birth parents or yeah, yeah. whatever happens. Yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah. adoption's changed, it's evolved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it has. And, um, you know, I, um, yeah, I was, um, yeah, uh, my, my dad actually, you know, he wasn't my birth dad. So he was, I was kind of, a, you know, in a way adopted as well. Yeah. So, and there's five, there were five kids. My mom had five kids. Wow, and all gone. They were all gone in different directions. Or, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. It so it's it's a bit of a yeah. It's a bizarre kind of thing. Oh yeah. So you mean like so Bohemian? Yeah. Our, uh, I I um I tell people um uh, my family tree is like uh, the Baobab tree. It's the upside down tree. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen a picture of an upside down tree yeah. from Africa? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like that. That's it's pretty funny. ugly. That's funny. <laughs> And convoluted I had this, this great
0: dinner with uh recently with my sister and and uh my mom's cousin uh she's mm. from New Zealand, oh yeah, yeah, and he's uh really into our family history yeah, yeah and um and he was telling us all about it over dinner. It was fascinating mm. and but it was so unglorious, you know everyone hopes that they're uh you know from somebody famous and remarkable <laughs> and in truth, my people are from the Isle of muck. which is a real place. It sounds made up, but it's, uh, off the coast of Scotland. Yeah. And, uh, and they were just, just savage people that literally survived on kelp. Yeah. Just animals. And, and they survived there for hundreds of years until, um, until one of them stood up and said, you know, we're out of here. Yeah. And they built, you know, a boat or four and they, they, they sailed away to, uh, Nova Scotia actually. All right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's sort of, then they ended up on Australia and then New Zealand, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it felt bittersweet to find, you know, to learn so much about your family's history and then find yeah. out that the, the first records start with this group moving from the Isle of Muck. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like an amazing place. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's- Yours uh, sounds way more interesting. Um, well- This mom know. is good at making babies, but maybe not going to be is, a mom.
1: She was, yeah, that's pretty much the truth. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the way it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, the the, the first child, I, I thought I was the first child until I was 40 years old. And then I found out I was the second. How did right? you meet your mom? Like, how? Uh, they, uh, She tracked me down. Actually, the work was all done by my younger sister. Yeah. So I've got uh, two brothers, two sisters. Uh, the eldest uh, was my oldest sister. And she got adopted out uh, at birth. And a family took her and they took her to New Zealand and she lives in New Zealand. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, and we've, I, you know, we holidayed down there, you know, we had a, we had, did a trip down there, met her and it's, you know, she's great. She's come here, been here. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, that works out. That worked out really well. But my younger sister uh, from Wales, um, she, when she found out about us, she tracked us down and uh, forced my mum to face it cool good for her yeah it's admirable yeah. must have oh. been hard
0: oh god yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. it i i need a couple of scotches before i tell you that one
0: <laughs> i want it yeah <laughs> and i'm back in we have scotch we got
1: everything mm-hmm. top shelf
0: well we we'll see
1: we'll see how it goes we'll <laughs> see how the we'll see how the conversation goes yeah
0: but uh, well i don't want to force it but i am yeah. honestly interested in that kind of stuff yeah well it's um yeah. Honestly, I don't care about your political position on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't, if I'm honest. Uh, well, that's okay. I'm interested yeah.
1: in, in you. Yeah. Yeah. story. Yeah. Well, um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back to it. Sure. Yeah. So why Canada?
0: You're um, 32, you're managing bars, you're in your element.
1: Yeah. And I was, we, you know, we, we did well. I, I was married with three kids and, um. Um, yeah, we, we, we did well in, in the pub business. I, I started off life with nothing. And, uh, by the time, you know, we, I was 30, I, you know, had a house that was paid for and, you know, so I I made that out of the pub business, um, and, you know, detached house in Britain. So I've, you know, that's pretty good. And so that was a good level of success, but, um, if you want to go higher in in the levels of society in britain it's do you have challenges uh, even today you know depending on you know where you went to school and really yeah and, and your you last name and all that kind well, of stuff yeah no, the names are actually it's become a lot more blended now i think i think you know today over, over the past 40 years it, it has changed you know mm. and um You know, it's much more of a diverse society, in fact, you know. uh,
0: About 40 years ago, that was how it
1: was. And it, it, yeah, it was. It just felt like that because, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I saw a lot of people in senior management that were just really shouldn't have been there. Mm. But they were there because they, you know, had the right school tie. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I get
0: that. Yeah.
1: And I've heard of that. It's not true anymore. and. Hmm? So I don't think it's true anymore i th- I think here. you're right i think uh, I think it has changed there
0: I'm an employer and you know the, honestly yeah. the 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 education the post secondary yeah. education it's nice yeah. you yeah. know it it warrants eight seconds of my time on the resume yeah It might come up in an interview yeah um but the world certainly this company or our teams are meritocracies and mm-hmm. and it's not about um you know the diploma or the degree that you've got it doesn't or it doesn't really matter
1: yeah that's the yeah. experience
0: is more important. Yeah. yeah. So, why did you choose Canada?
1: Um, Canadian immigration said yes, and Australian immigration said no. <laughs> that's <laughs> so that's so how honest. it started. So, so then, I uh, Canadian immigration said, "You know, where do you want to go?" And I said, "I don't know. I've never been to Canada." You know, and they said, "Well, you, you got to decide which province you want to go to, and then apply to that province, and then we we process your application." And they said, "Okay." I said, well, I've been to the States and I like California, so West Coast and, uh, you know, so BC, British Columbia. And uh, they said, okay. So we went off for an interview at BC Government House in London and, um, uh, you know, and they said, yeah, they looked at me and they they said, you know, our entrepreneur scheme, you know, you come in with enough money to buy a business and they'll let you in and uh, you have to run it for a couple of years and employ Canadians and then they let you stay. Um and I said, Okay, how do we get in on that? And he said, Well you've got to find a business, put money on it, and then, you know, and put a deposit on it and and then we'll process your application. And so I said, Okay. Well, I'm not doing anything right now. I just sold a pub. So, you know, if I get on a plane and go to British Columbia and find a business I wanna buy and come back and see, you're gonna to talk to me in three weeks? And he said, Sure. So and that's what that. I did. Cool. So I got on a plane. Uh I had a Lonely Planet guidebook, you know. Read up the chapter on the British Columbia. Uh, it told me about um, Gastown and East Hastings. It also told me about the Okanagan, the chapter on the Okanagan. The opening line was The Okanagan is the place to go.
0: <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. The
1: Okanagan is the place to go. Got it. Right. Okay. You know. Nice. And, uh, so get on the plane and uh, sat down next to a guy from Penticton and uh, he told me all about Penticton and, you know, and the Okanagan and and uh, he said, oh, you know, there's a little village up here in Aramata. it's got a great restaurant, It's uh, they make a great pub. He said, you should go check it out. So I said, okay. So I got here and went down Gastown, these tastings, went over to uh, uh, UBC, the Museum of Anthropology, because that's a big thing of mine i like you know i like anthropology and societies and sociology and uh so then i rented a car drove over to penticton walked in a real estate office and said you know i'm looking to buy a pub or a restaurant or a hotel and uh and the realtor he looked at me and he went oh god you know (laughs) (laughs) and and like oh, oh god why did he oh, do oh, yeah i know he yeah. thought it was going to be a waste of time yeah right? and uh, i mean i, I was friends i got friends with him afterwards and he told me you know he thought i was he thought it was just going to be a waste of time right yeah. but, but he said what do you want and i said uh well i want the pub to uh have a games area and a food area but not necessarily a restaurant um preferably on a piece of land be nice to have living accommodation attached to it just like an english pub right and because I, I got a family you know to got a house as well and uh, I said, I don't care what the business is doing, because I know what I can do, but uh, as long as the building's in good condition. And he said, wow, he said, you just described the Naramata pub. I said, oh, Naramata, I've heard of Naramata. He said, you've heard of Naramata. I said, yeah. He said, how long have you been there?" I said, 48 hours. And he said, that was what the guy on the plane mentioned. Yeah. 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 And uh, he said, wow. He said, well, it's for sale. And I said, okay, let's take a look. So we went off and had a look at it. And I walked in and I went, yeah, this is, yeah, this is cool. This is like, yeah, I like this. And go to the back of the pub, you know, we're looking through the pub. It's all, the pub is only three years old and it was built by a guy. He was a nice guy, you know, and he's still around, Charlie Bonford. And, but he built a great pub, but he wasn't that good at running it. And so it wasn't doing that well. And, um, and then walk through the pub, you know, nice new kitchen. Everything's great. You know everything's in its place everything's clean shiny walk out the back it's a log cabin it's got a log cabin attached to the back of it i thought holy smokes you know like here i am there's a pub in great shape with a log cabin <laughs> attached on an acre of land in Canada. You know, it's like, it's you know, crazy. I know. Uh, Especially uh, because I know the image of Canada. Yeah, I know. wild country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually in a log cabin. You've a log cabin. right? a pan boat cabin, right? It was actually And so <clears throat> um, we, uh, you know, I, I liked it. The realtor got excited and he said, do you want to make an offer? And I said, no, oh, no, no. I said, no. I'm here for two weeks. I said, I'm going to drive around the province and I'm going to try and find somewhere to beat this. And if I can't find anything to beat this, then I'm going to come back and then you can get excited. And that's what happened. You drove all over
0: and nothing compared.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this was pre, uh, pre-internet days, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I, I, I did a lot of homework. I did a lot of miles, a lot of traveling. Um, I was on my own. My wife and kids were at home back in Britain. She just took my word for everything. And, uh, you know, I went back with a few photos and, you know, and... Um, so you bought the pub. Bought the pub. And it wasn't for sale, but the... It was for sale. It was yeah. actually yeah. for sale. Bought the pub. That was in April, 1988. By November, we we emigrated out on November the 6th and uh, got to the pub. And it's a, it's a one-bedroom log cabin on the back of the pub. Right? Whoa. So... I so I so and you uh, have three kids. I showed my wife through it and uh, she's Irish, you know, and she passed away this year, but uh we um we walked through the pub and I showed her the you know, said this is the bar, you know, this is the kitchen. She said, Oh yeah, it's a nice bar. Yeah, nice kitchen, you know. Walked her out the back, said, Here's the log cabin. She walked in the log cabin, looked around, she said, You must be fucking joking
0: <laughs> just like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, oh, and I, I went oh no it's okay it's okay I can add on I can build on you know I can make an addition I used to do construction right and I, so I can do this you know we can do that and it, it might only be temporary you know and so hey, it was it was temporary yeah yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah
0: that's so, so cool that's such a good origin story yeah that's, I mean a welcome to Canada yeah boots on the ground yeah and you're, you're already a fixture in, in Armada. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah it was it was Quite a, it's uh, quite a quite a time there. We had a great time there. How long were you doing that? Uh, we were there for four years, and then uh, and then my wife and I we separated and got divorced. You know because you know you, you what you a lot of people that emigrate to make a fresh start. You know they don't realize they bring the baggage with them. You know they Yeah, really, the mental baggage. Yeah, and so you know it's it's you know same issues and you know we we separated and so you're yeah. saying that like people
0: that make a huge change in their life like immigration they think that's going to fix everything Yeah, but it doesn't that's correct yeah and um, for a lot of people i'm not saying a lot of people no a lot sure of people a
1: lot of bad couples have yeah. a kid and yeah. think yeah. it's going to
0: fix it yeah. it doesn't yeah
1: yeah so um, you know we 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 were friends you know we stayed friends and uh, you know we had three kids between us right so We kept it together. Nice. Uh, She lived in, she stayed in Penticton as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, real estate. Real estate, yeah. After I sold the pub, I got into real estate. Yeah. And, um, yeah, 30 years. So I... um, Why real estate? I, you know, I, I like business. I like, you know, I like talking about business. I like running businesses. I like, you know, I like... Managing businesses, and you know, it was, it was just something that really I, I felt really comfortable doing, and uh, and I've never been afraid of the uncertainties of income. Uh, that's never worried me. I I always, you know, was in jobs or uh, where I was paid for what I what I earned. Right? Not I wasn't never paid an hourly rate. You know, even in construction. You know, I got into construction right after school. Paying results, not time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I've always been comfortable in that kind of environment. And you know, it's some. It's not for everybody. You know, my son joined me when he was an adult, and uh, one of the one of my sons, and did it for ten years, but didn't like it. You know, in the end, he said, "No." He said, "You know, he he needed more stability." He's now a sheriff. You know, really, and so took a massive pay cut, but you know, like he's he's you know happy, happy, yeah, much happier. Steady. Where where is he? Sheriff? In Penticton. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So he's, you know, he's got you know steady paycheck. You know, he knows what his hours are. You know, yeah. Wears uniform. You know, yeah. Uh, he's much happier. What does the sheriff do nowadays? I mean, as court security. Yeah. You know, prisoner transportation.
0: Yeah, et cetera. Yeah, and so their their authority is based on the court. Yeah. Is there RCMP? Is, uh, they work with the RCMP. Yeah, it's the yeah. federal authority. It's interesting dynamic. Sheriff yeah. used to be a really big deal back in the old west. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was the only show in town. Yeah, that's right. And now uh, city police,
1: RCMP. Yeah, yeah it's still it's, sheriff. It's all... It, There's a big mixture. You know? Yeah. And uh, and those lines are are starting to get a little blurred. or You know, the service is getting more integrated. Um. And, you know, when we get into the sort of politics of life, you know, what I'm doing politically, I'll I'll get into that deeper. Yeah. 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 And you're still in real estate. Still in real estate. uh, You know, I knew that when I ran for politics, um, you know, my real estate was going to take more of a backseat. And when I was a councillor, you know, it had an effect and running as mayor... I knew it was going to have a major effect, so I kind of restructured everything, and, uh, and now I'm just a junior partner in in a partnership that I have, and uh, um, and that's good. So you know, I I still have my license, but um, you know, if if there's any conflict on a property, I just recuse, you know, and uh, um, and so far, you know, it's, it's it's worked out good. I mean, you know, my income has drastically changed. Not for the better. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I knew that was going to come, and and I was okay with that. Yeah, because um, for me, not only do I like sort of running a business, and you know, but I I need purpose, and uh, I think you know, you need you need you need purpose in your life. You need to, well, for me, I do anyway, and you need to know that you are going to make a difference or benefit somebody or something or, you know, a community by being here.
0: Is that what got you into politics in the first place? Yeah. Probably yeah.
1: a councillor first? Councillor first, yeah. 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 I did it all ask backwards. I actually ran for the provincial position first. I I, I ran for the Green Party in 2009. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I couldn't align myself totally with you know, NDP or, or the liberals. And so, you know, and the Green Party had some flexibility there, you know, so that you could be more individualistic, you know, didn't, you know, and, uh, um but I didn't get anywhere. I got 15% of the vote. So, you know, I didn't, yeah. I obviously didn't get in. Yeah. And then I ran for mayor and missed it by 146 votes. And then, wow. and, so then I thought, okay, I better be a councillor. So I, I then I ran for council and did it four years on council. That was my apprenticeship. Yeah, and then yeah, you know, and, and then got in as mayor. Nice. Yeah. And how's it been so far? Uh good and bad, but mostly good. You know, lots of you know. I mean, things were things were pretty tough. Like a lot of municipalities, a lot of cities. You know, it's been they. You know, it's been a tough couple of decades, um, simply because of. You know, various, well, various factors, but, you know, housing and, and the drugs and social issues. Um, and the way I see it is that, uh, you know, we have a drug problem, uh, like many places in the world. Um, that's come around from decades of neglect from the higher levels of government in the social programs uh, or lack of them. Um, they're playing catch up now. And there are other communities around the world that have got a good track record. Portugal being one of them. We were talking about Portugal earlier. Um, Zurich in Switzerland, you know, good track record. Uh, Sydney, Australia, decent. Um, But what we have here that they don't have in those centres is fentanyl and benzos and crystal meth. And so the level of drugs are different, and that is changing. It has to change our approach slightly. Mm. And uh, in what way? Um, speaking personally, uh, you know, not not as a counsel, but you know, I think you know, there's a there's a lot that would agree with me. But um, so you have the recovery. Models for you know those other successful communities that have dealt with this, you know they do a four pillar approach, and the four pillars are uh, education uh harm reduction uh recovery, and enforcement and the uh the education piece that's great you know we we all you know we can all be a part of that. Harm reduction is really down to the health authorities and how they deal with that and what that looks like. And the big argument right now is about harm reduction and safe supply. Um, You know, uh, then you've got uh, recovery and enforcement. And so what does enforcement look like? Enforcement is... um, a shared responsibility with the municipalities and and the health authorities because, you know, we, we pay for the ICMP. We pay for the bylaws, you know. Um, so, you know, yeah, we have control over some of the enforcement part of the, uh, one of the, the enforcement pillar. And the enforcement pillar allows the other pillars to do their thing. The enforcement pillar means that you have people that can go into the schools for education. It means that, you know, you oversee how that, Harm reduction model works. You know, you you're helping support that harm reduction. You're helping channel the people that need the help in the direction that they need to go to get harm reduction and recovery. You know, it, without the enforcement model, I don't think the other three pillars can stand up. It can take the load. Mm. Um, now, by enforcement, you know, what do we mean by enforcement? And so, in Penticton, we brought in a Safe Places bylaw uh, where, you know, we, with decriminalisation, you know, decriminalisation came in and so it's okay, you know, if, it's okay if you... Now it's it's not illegal to, to own, you know, to be carrying drugs around. But under our bylaw, it's illegal to be using those drugs in a public space. Oh. So if you're in a park or if you're on the street or if you're in even in a parking lot, a private parking lot that's used by the public then our bylaw covers that. And our bylaw officers and our community safety officers, uh, they're the people that go in there and say, okay, guys, you know, people, you know, you can't do that here. you got to back up, keep moving on. And it's not about hitting them with fines because there's no point in doing that. It's about getting them up and getting them moving and, and getting them moving hopefully in the right direction and the direction being you know, the harm reduction sites or, or, you know, or the paths to recovery, you know, the services to recovery. And that I think is working. Uh, and to, to enable that, we built a much larger bylaw department. So we have a very robust bylaw department. We also have RCMP and they work together hand in hand. So that's why I say the lines get a little fuzzy now between protective services. Um, we've taken a lot of the load off the RCMP with their approval, and uh, so that they can concentrate on the on the bigger crimes. And our our CSOs most most CSOs are ex RCMP, and a lot of our bylaws uh, uh, actually quite a few of them come from the uh, the prison the ex prison guards from Oliver Prison. And they're just dealing with the same people, but in a different environment. Um, But, you know, right now, I mean, for the first two quarters of this year, our crime rate has gone down. You know, our our car thefts are down 30% um, from last year. Our break and enters in businesses are down 50%. You know, other B&Es are down, you know, 10 to 20%. Um, uh, theft from vehicles is down thirty four percent. So we're we're starting to see some traction. I think because that's now two quarters of data that are showing that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's from those bylaws. Well, there's that plus uh, we have a, a a mobile harm reduction van in Benticton and I think that they've been doing some great work as well and in in helping deal with those folks that, uh, you know, probably the hardest people to deal with. Yeah. And um, they deal with the people that uh, are even banned from the shelters. You know, the shelter has a list of people that are not allowed in the shelter because they're so disruptive. Yeah. So they're the ones on the street. They're the prolific offenders mostly. Mm-hmm. And so... The folks with the, uh, is Pops, it's POPs, uh, uh, it's called, it's a Penticton Overdose Prevention Service. And uh, that has been uh, a good a good service, I, I think. And uh, we've also had um, a couple of dedicated uh, people from a service provider uh, that have been doing screening of uh, street drug drugs. Uh, for their toxicity, so you know, just you know, just checking whatever comes in, you know, whatever people have, and you know, letting them know if if it's safe to use or what you know. Yeah. And so our death rate uh, from overdose in Penticton is down from last year, and I think we're one of only two municipalities so that have that in, and we were down substantially, you know, thirty five percent down for the first half of this year. So, you know, the rest of the province was, you know, the province in general was up 17%. So, you know, I think we're seeing some measures of success this year. And I think it's because of those factors and, you know, and and others, you know, I mean, you know, the attention being paid by, you know, the fire department on medical first response calls and, Mm. and just... You know the the morale of the RCMP is much better. So how they deal with wellness checks and so on—that's that's good. And we and you know we we have our, our car our car program coming in. We call it Car Forty. Yeah. It that car has a different number for each municipality. I think you know because everybody's got their pet name for it. But it's a, it's a it's where the, you have a mental health worker going out with the RCMP on wellness checks, paired up. Yeah, yeah, and. um that program has just been approved for Penticton, but hasn't been implemented yet. So I think when that comes in, that'll even that'll help the numbers even more. And what does the forty represent? It's just uh, it, I, made, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. All right. We we needed a motion to you know to go to uh, UBCM a couple, couple of years ago, a year yeah. ago, uh, no, a couple of years ago, and uh, and you know. What are we going to call it? I said, it was car 67 somewhere else. I said, well, we can't. now it's car 40. It's car 40. It
0: makes you think that there's going to be 40 of these pairs out there. <laughs> uh, so. Well, there's going to be three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was half four. Three, four. So, but, you know, it's a start. It's, just, it's a thing in the right direction. Yeah. So we'll know, know. We, we see what measurable results we get. But so far, it's been encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds amazing. It's such a
0: complex issue.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's, a, and it's complex because this lots of different issues that are integrated. So it's a, you know, it's a polycrisis that we have, you know, and, you know, it's housing, it's support services, it's, you know, drugs, it's crime, it's, you know, mental health, or lack, you know, the lack of, you know, it's a combination of the lack of services and the lack of attention that's been paid to the problem for the past 40 years. And, and you know, and and from the housing perspective as well, you know, there's a, you know, a housing... We have not kept up with the demand for housing, in any way, shape, or form, whether market housing or non-market housing. And um, you know, in Penticton, uh, to give you an example on housing, uh, market housing, from the 60s through to the 2000, so four decades there, we were building around 2,500 homes they were being built in Penticton each year. So this, and there's was like in the 60s, I forget how many houses there were now, but there's 17,000 housing units in Penticton right now. And so in the 60s, it was a lot less. And we were building, there was about 2,500 per decade being built. And since 2000, 2020, so those two decades, it's been like 1,800. Seventeen hundred, you know. So it's it's actually gone down, and as a percentage, it's way down, mm-hmm. and yet the population continues to rise. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've had we had uh, you know some probably ten percent. Uh, I think it's ten percent increase in population in the past three years or something. You know, so it's yeah, we've had a healthy increase in population lack of housing being built and certainly and lack of supportive social housing social housing in an ideal community should be 12 15 of your housing stock and in penticton it's 8.8 so you know we do have decent amount of housing more than many other communities per capita but we're still under the target yeah it's
0: crazy uh, what else do you have going on? You have a bike path from. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite things about Penticton is is it's you know just squished in between the two lakes mm-hmm. like that, and you can ride a bike, uh, like an e bike, from one lake to the next in yep.
1: fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's great. Um, highly controversial because of the cost, eight million bucks. Uh, no, it's not really the cost. You know, it's the the argument about the bike lanes is a cultural argument. It's an argument between the people that don't want change mm. and the people that want change. And the people that don't want change don't want the bike lane. And they don't want lots of other stuff that, in, in, you know, shows change as well. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, they, when they lost the argument on the bike lane, they then they started arguing about the barriers, you know, the curb between the bike lane and the road, you know. They wanted, you know, they just don't like change. Yeah. You know, they want to be able to drive down the street in their boat, you know, and, you know, take wide corners and, you know, and get from one end of town to the other in three minutes and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, not stop at any stop signs. <laughs> <laughs> like the old days. Yeah, exactly. You know, they don't want change. We had that in Vancouver in a big way. Yeah. A big, and white, thing. so I, I keep reminding people you know, challenges on on any of these issues. You know, whether it be housing or bike lanes. Uh, you know, any any kind of social change like that. That you know, a lot of the people that are standing in front of me at council meetings are, have been in town for a long time, and so I say, you know, in 1970, 1971, the population of Penticton was 18,000. Now it's double that. And it's not because it's Penticton, because the province has doubled in that same time. And it's not because it's BC, because the world population has doubled in that same time. So we're just going along with the world trend, the global trend on population. And, you know, we have to learn to live in, in in the footprint that we have because we're sandwiched between two lakes and we've got high... Hilltop d- development, the high hillside development on one side. We've got agricultural land reserve lands that we can't build on, you know, on the north and south side. On uh, And then on the other side of the channel is Penticton Indian Band, and that's not our land. And we can't tell them what to do. So, you know, if they want to build housing, then that's okay. But we, you know, if they don't, then that's okay. And so, you know, we have to look after ourselves in in that regard and, and, you know, and and we have to grow. And and if growing means that we densify in the footprint, then let's build some quality housing that is going to be more uh, environmentally friendly and less of a energy footprint to it. And, you know, yes, people will be living in tighter spaces, but I think you know, the young people today are more accepting of that as long as they have good recreational facilities. And if we have, you know, if we have a denser population, uh, then, you know, we need to have great parks. We need to have pocket parks here and there. We need to have recreational facilities. We've got two lakes, I mean, but, you know, but let's link those up with, you know, recreational corridors and, and then just, and then just make it a great place to live, which is, in today's age, uh, economic development. Because when you've got a population, you know, a good chunk of the population that can work from home, so they can live anywhere mm-hmm. they want, then building a livable city like that is economic development in itself. Because the, you know, a lot of the people that will want to live in Penticton. Uh, going to be working for a company somewhere else and they're going to be working remotely yeah you know the days of economic development meaning you're going to bring in a manufacturing industry yeah they've gone it's yeah. gone you know we we're not in that game anymore
0: it's a brilliant way to look at it yeah. because if you think about that that digital nomad or that 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 worker that's working, living in Penticton and working for a company outside of Penticton. They're drawing from that big company based out of Vancouver, Toronto or wherever in the world. Yeah.
1: And they're bringing that, that salary to Penticton. And they're going to spend it there. Yeah. You know, and they, and for most, most of them are good money. (laughs) They they earn good money. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that whole, there's a, there is a real, you know, there's a real shift going on in Penticton in that regard. And that's, you know, the, That's why the, the people moving in there, you know, they 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 like the breweries, you know. We got we got a food scene going on. We got the beer scene going on, you know. We got the wineries and and so it's 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 about lifestyle, you know. And we've got some great biking trails, and you know we got uh, you know three blind mice trail system for mountain bikers and Campbell Mountain and you know and we got the KVR trail and you know but you know and then you got the people who just want to bike around the town, you know. Yeah, that's 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 make it let's make it a great place to live. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well oh, I think it's cool. And I think the bike lanes are cool. Yeah. And once you know th- you know what's a big sort of bonus for all the bike lanes I see in Vancouver. I'm a cyclist. Uh yeah. and it's the electric mobility stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah. The e bikes, yeah. the electric yeah. scooters are all yeah. using this. And, yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. the the use of them is very high. Yeah. I don't have data on it, but it I ride them and it seems busy.
1: Yeah, it's uh we've just puts, uh, we're just collecting data now on, on the usage, but uh, it's, uh, early numbers are pretty good. Yeah, yeah they're pretty good. I must okay. be a lot more in
0: the summer. I mean, who wants to ride from lake to lake in the winter?
1: Well, yeah, there's that, but, uh, yeah. you, know, but it, so we, you know, we have our electric vehicles. So I, I bought an electric truck. I got an electric oh, truck. Oh, the I Ford a, Lightning? A, no, a Rivian. Oh, Rivian. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so... I was one of the first in Penticton. Oh, nice. To get a Rivian. Well, I say one of the first. There's only about there's about three or four of them in Penticton. Yeah. How do you like it? Fantastic. Yeah. 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 I'm a big fan. It's a remarkable vehicle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. I, um, I also reserved one and I just very recently passed on it just because I've got a Tesla P100D oh, yeah. Model X that I just yeah. love. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the incremental sort of benefit of it wasn't wasn't big enough. Uh,
1: yeah, that's and you know in Vancouver, yeah, no, I'd probably shoot for a Tesla myself, right? But uh, I've, you know, I got twelve acres in a rural setting. I got horses, you know. I got I, I need a truck. Do you get the R one T or S? Yep, R one T.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah. A real truck. Throw stuff in the back. Real
1: truck. Throw Lumber. I you know horse feed in the back and stuff. And yeah, yeah, and uh, you know. And it's—I think it kind of helps the, the uh, EV, you know, revolution. Because if you've got a truck that a lot of the people that are driving internal combustion trucks around, you know, if you've got a truck that they like, then <laughs> that's pretty good. I think totally. It just helps. Yeah, helps push the whole. Oh, industry. it's huge. Yeah,
0: I'm a big fan. I've been all electric even before Tesla was around. I used to ah. drive uh, an electric Kia. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's a good little car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Surprisingly roomy, actually. Yeah. Even though it's a tiny little
1: car and yeah. built like a giraffe, I yeah. fit in it and it was yeah.
0: actually quite comfortable. Yeah, good.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. We, uh, I ordered the Rivian three years ago and I got it in May.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about the Cybertruck? Are you interested in that one? No. Not your style?
1: No, that's right. It's a little too extreme for me i love
0: it uh, yeah I, I, I lay awake thinking about it i know i well, can't wait well,
1: you should try you should trade in your test and get one and, <laughs> i will if it ever comes it's yeah that's it. it's been four I, years for me already. you know there was one spotted on uh out on the res- on the roads uh, the other day on your roads no 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 in 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 the states
0: yeah they're, they're test driving them right now they are there's yeah. dozens of them out yeah it's very exciting yeah and I think they look super cool. They look mm-hmm. like a childhood fantasy. <laughs> I love it. So you have a ranch. Yep. And you built a solar-powered yep. off-grid house yep. out of
1: straw. Yep.
0: How did you do that and why?
1: Tell me uh, about it. Well, I picked up this piece of land and I, you know, um, I've always kind of liked the country. I live. I lived, as a kid, we lived in the wilds and, in Britain and, and we also lived in the cities. I've... Grown up in both environments, um, so I'm pretty comfortable in the wild. And this piece of land came up, and it was just tucked up in the pine trees above Naramata and so it was cheap then, so that was good. And I was just going to build a cabin on it, and uh, uh, I'd—I wasn't married at the time, but I had a girlfriend who bought a book on bought me a book on uh, cottages. And I was, you know, I was going to build myself a log cabin on there, you know, and uh, and this and this book, you know, talked about straw bale, and I thought that's interesting, you know, because I, you know, I'm a bit of an environmentalist as well, so um, I looked into that, and and so I kind of mixed the two because I did a log post and beam. With straw bale infill, and uh, that was partly because when I when I was checking out the straw bale, I went to uh, I went to the regional district and said you know I talked to a building inspector and said you know I want to build a straw bale house, and he went oh yeah okay, and <laughs> yeah it's Bloomfield oh yeah okay yeah so uh, um, he said uh, he said post and beam or post and beam with straw bale infill or structural straw bale? And I went, hmm, uh, post and beam. He said, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, because uh, they wouldn't allow structural straw bale, you know, where the where the straw takes the weight load. Yeah. So, I got a log, uh, log home builder to build me a log package and uh, then, and then built a house around, around it. And, cool. um, yeah, and the building inspector for the regional district, uh it was a guy Ken Kunker, he was uh he's still around, um working for the city, funnily enough. But uh I, he came out, took a look at what I was doing and um he said, Well, what about you know, this aspect and that aspect and I said, Yeah, I got this covered, I'm doing this and you know, and the log frame I I got a structural engineer to sign off on You know, building it out of twelve-inch rounds, and then I built, and then I ordered fifteen-inch round logs, and so he could see that I was overbuilding everything. So he kind of went along with what I was doing and gave me some, you know, gave me some leeway, I think. And uh, uh, yeah, and it it all worked out because you know I I overbuilt on every aspect of it. And it's solar power, solar powered, yeah, Um, totally off grid, and uh, you know that works well in the summer and in the winter you know we have a generator backup that kicks in here and there but yeah um, as needed as needed yeah but uh you know on a well you know so we can survive lots of things and uh and i fire smarted the whole property so i i feel confident about you know if a fire comes through um i wouldn't be happy about it but i feel confident that the buildings would survive how do you do that? Um, so, uh, fire smiting. So uh, you go through the property, you take out all your small trees, uh, you leave in your substantial trees, and uh, but you take all the branches off up to four meters from the ground. So that as a fire travels along the ground, it can't candle the trees, and um, and then you clear the brush, and but the horses clear the brush a lot, so you know they they're, they're grazing on it, so. Um, that helps and, uh, yeah, it's, and then just clear everything around the house and the house is covered in, all, all the outside is stucco. So, you know, it's stucco and stone patios. So there's, there's very, very little wood on the outside. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I, you know, I got outside sprinklers set up on the roof and, uh, so I, I think I'd be okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. So you got power. Yeah. Well, water. Yeah. Septic. Yeah. What else do you need to be off grid? That's everything. That's it. That's yeah. it. yeah. Easy. That yeah. sounds cool.
1: Yeah. Is that where you live all the time? Yeah. That's, yeah. I've been in there sixteen years. That's cool. Yeah. It's cozy. The straw oh, keeps it's you warm. It's not only the it keeps you warm; it keeps you cool in the summer. So I, because it's off grid, I have no mechanical cooling in the house. And when it's thirty-eight, thirty-nine degrees outside, it's about twenty-three inside the house. Nice. Yeah, because that's an R fifty wall I like got. Yeah, two feet thick. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, and um, uh, you know, so yeah, cozy and cozy in the summer, and and it keeps the sound out as well. So it's it's very peaceful. It's a very peaceful house. It sounds nice. It's sanctuary. Yeah. 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 And you love horses. Yeah.
0: Surrounded by them. Yeah. Arabians. Yep. Yep. When did that start? Uh,
1: 94. <laughs> uh, right around 94. Yeah. Um, when I, uh, uh you know, I was divorced, but then, you know, met somebody else and, uh, um, uh, yeah, we got together, we got married and, uh, she'd had horses and I wanted a horse and so, we ended up getting some horses and then i got into endurance racing um or we did and uh so that's kind of cross country you know 50 mile races and then i went up to the 100 mile races wow know, and uh i didn't even know that i didn't i wasn't aware
0: of endurance horse racing
1: yeah it sounds it, cool it is cool it's very very cool um it's a sport that has suffered since covid uh like a lot of Endurance sports, dare I say, you know, like, uh, a lot of endurance sports, uh, you know, especially the hard endurance sports are not getting the, the registrations that they were getting before COVID. Oh, because I think people's lifestyles have reset, you know, they're not willing to, you know, hurt themselves <laughs> so yeah. much with the training yeah. and the racing. Yeah. And, and I think endurance is the same, you know, like a horse racing and because it's, you know, it's a baby boomer sport. Dare I say? You know, a lot of the millennials just and they're not getting into it at the same rate that the baby boomers did. And you know, but there it was as a sport. It had about five thousand competitors around North America. You know, pre-COVID, and I don't know what the numbers are now, but they're you know the registrations at the races are substantially down. So, what's a race like? What's a hundred-mile race like? So it's done in loops. So you start off, you know, probably around about uh, five in the morning. And uh, your loops are about 15 miles per loop or so. And, you know, out in the bush, around logging roads, trails, and so on. And then you, uh, then you have a vet check. You have a vet check before you start. You have a vet check at each loop uh vet checks out the horse if they don't meet certain criteria you're pulled and it's no shame in being pulled it's just that it's not your day you know it's like a bad day at golf right you know and uh and so you're going through six loops or so you know and you got and and you have a hold time at each vet check so you have about four hours of hold time on a hundred mile race and your ride times vary very greatly depending on what kind of rider you are and what you know what your horse can do um world competition rate you'll be eight hours riding time um, doing well in north American circles it's probably ten hours you know and uh and at a club level it'd be twelve fourteen hours ride time, so you'd be finishing in the dark. Wow. It, and it's a long day. It's a long, long day. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, but it's a, if you if you make it through, if you get through and you do well, then it's a very satisfying day as well. It's like doing a triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it must be exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good, it's a good exhausting. Yeah. Good tired. Yeah. 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 I get it. Yeah. I so then I, you know, I, 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 when I got divorced from my, Second wife uh, in 2000, uh, 2001. Um, I registered to do a couple of triathlons. Uh, So I did the Ironman twice. And then I found out my horse was a better athlete than I was. So that's (laughs) when I started endurance. Then I'm doing the long distance endurance because up until then I was doing 50 mile races, but my horse, I, I just happened to fall onto this, you know, this magnificent horse and so that you know he carried me around amazing
0: yeah you're not a small guy you're not a jockey
1: i'm not no i'm a heavyweight rider so uh you know more kudos to that horse uh you know heavyweights do compete and do okay but it's how you condition your horse and it's how you ride Mm. you know and uh you know it's okay to get off and run beside your horse that's okay that's allowed so yeah. yeah yeah did you ever do that oh yeah just to give it a break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Not for 100 miles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and only downhill. Yeah.
1: That's funny. Yeah. Actually, that's what you do is you, you run downhill beside your horse because it's hard on them to run downhill with the rider on. Really? When they're tired.
0: I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know much about it, but yeah, yeah. just yeah. the way horses run. Hard on their joints and, yeah. uh, you know. I and can kind of picture it, the stopping and, feeling. And if they trip, then yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, it came over. That, yeah. That's nice. Give yeah. the horse a little break. Yeah. And you're still doing that?
1: No, I, my, mis job is kind of putting into that. Yeah. Yeah. Into everything.
0: Yeah. Except realizing your vision for Penticton. So, yeah. so let's, uh, let's talk about that. What, um, you know, if you could wave your magic wand and, and, and make your vision of Penticton reality, you know, what would it be?
1: Uh, wow. Um, I think uh, we've we've got a plan for the north west corner of the city uh, that we call it we call it the North Gateway because um, it's by the entrance to the city by Highway ninety seven there the Rose Garden yeah exactly yeah. in that area and that transition is starting it would be really great to see that area all around the Soec uh, get you know redeveloped into something really special you know, and, and, and by special, I don't mean exclusive, but I mean something that's, you know, just, just nice and, you know, just, you know, quality, quality developments that, you know, both residential and recreational, because it is kind of a, it's a hotel district. Yeah. uh, The conference centers there. Conference centers there. Yeah. We've got a new hotel next to the conference center. So, you know, um, hopefully we'll get another new one and, uh, yeah so that transition is starting. There's some nice developments going in that area and um and you know and and around in other areas around the city as well so it's it's about i think if we have some new developments that are focused on the lifestyle of the people that live in the development so I've not been afraid to call out developers who've come to the city with plans for a development. Where they've paid absolutely no regard to the quality of life of the people that buy into the development, they just want to sell the units. And so, I've been very critical of those developers in the past. Um, And I think, I hope that message has got through. I know, you know, that most of the developers I talk to now, they, yeah, they, they recognise that you know they have to contribute something. To the lifestyle of the people that buy into their development, I yeah. think that's important. Yeah, yeah. You've talked about lifestyle a lot. Yeah, you know, and and
0: so many different ways, mostly around real estate, around yeah, you know, bringing bringing people there and uh, and offering them a great lifestyle, like it's a great place to live, even mm-hmm. if you work for a company remotely or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's all about lifestyle. And it is, it, and it's, it's not yeah. just for the tourists, but it also no. for the lo- full time residents, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And so that northwest corner will be the, the sort of welcome to the city and the yep. kind of and, center.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's a lot that can be done at the south end of the city as well, you know, around Lake mm-hmm. I think that that's another area that, you know, there's a little more balance there because there's, um, you know, there's some nice residential neighborhoods around there that, mm-hmm. you know, that need to be uh, recognized as such. But, um, you know, but I think that some... You know, certainly some areas of improvement in that, at that end of the city as well. Well, that's a nice beach. Oh. A lot of sand. Mm-hmm. Great for kids. That is probably one of the best beaches in BC. Yeah. If not the...
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and I think it's, uh, I grew up in Kelowna, so... Yeah. I'm not a Penticton expert, but I, uh, I know it, and, mm-hmm. um... I know the locals love that beach. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to be. People focus on the Okanagan beach, of course, because it's, you know, the bigger lake and all that kind of stuff. But I think the locals love ska.
1: Um, yeah, for sure. Well, the lake is warmer, it's shallower. Uh, the beach is like really nice, it's larger. So, and there's lots of sporting activities along that beach in that park. So, mm-hmm. you know, volleyball courts, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, um, it's really quite a nice spot and there's a kid's water park there as well. Yeah. So, and now we've got a, a pub at the Marina, you know, like a, you know, pub restaurant at the Marina. So, uh, the dragon boat pub and that's, uh, that's great, you know? Um, so I think we, we're heading in the right direction for, you know, at, at that end of town as well.
0: Lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle.
1: For sure. I get it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then people want to live there. People want to move there. Tourists want to come there. Yep. um, and it's lifestyles about like creating great experiences for people when they visit, when they live and, and what people are seeing on the street, you talked about the social Mm. issues and and Mm -hmm. sort of mental health and.
1: Yeah. So that's where, you know, that's where you've got to be really effective on your, on your social programs. And, you know, and, um, I, I most people recognize that, you know, there are homeless people everywhere. You know, it's just, it's, what defines you as a, si- as a city, as a society, is how you deal with it. Yeah. You know? And there are people that want, you know, want to stick them in a bus and ship them off somewhere else. That's not, that's not how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not owning up to your responsibility as a society. You know, as a society, we create the people that are in the society. Mm-hmm. The, the homeless and the drug addicts are a product of our society. Yeah. They're a product of us. So we should own that and, and deal with it. Yeah. Well, I admire it. And I think you had a
0: great perspective, you know, from where you came from, the way you grew up.
1: Well, growing up and, you know, yeah, you, you know, you try a few things, you get a few knocks, you know, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've had some, <laughs> I've tried things that haven't worked out. You know, I, you know, I, I went broke in a hotel, you know, like I, you know, like I've, I've had uh, my ups and downs. So I know, you know, the dangers of, you know, being wrong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought I could, you know, a few years ago, I thought, you know, I could get back in the hotel business and run a hotel and, you know, a nice hotel, nice restaurant, great place, lovely place. Went in undercapitalized, you know, classic mistake. Right. And, uh, yeah, just failed. So I, I felt failure. Um, you know and you know you take your knocks and you pick yourself up and you you know you you try something else and go at it again it's character building yeah well I'd rather have gone broke at 30 rather than 60 but (laughs) 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 but you know yeah you got more time to recover but you know uh, but uh, you know that's that's life and that's the way it is so yeah yeah
0: well it seems like you've done pretty well and now you're in service to a city you love
1: yeah you know and yeah, I think, um, you know, I, th- I, th- I love it. And, you know, I I hope that, you know, what we're doing has traction. And, and I feel good about what we're doing. And I feel good about the direction we're going in. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Yeah. I love Penticton. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: I want to wrap it up, drink whiskey with you and talk about your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this. I had fun. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, man.